0: Hey guys, Michael here, and I'm back with another bonus episode of my podcast Talk Bricks Masters, where I'm going to be interviewing the winners of Lego Masters, Tyler and Amy Kleitz. And I'm probably a little bit even more excited than I normally am when I break down the Lego news each week on my YouTube channel Talk Bricks. We're going to be having even more postseason coverage from the show, and my next interview is going to be with the Brick Masters, Jamie and Amy. So if you have any questions for them, I'll leave my social media handles in the show notes. But for now, let's just jump into it. All right, you you guys have been asking for them, and they are my first guests, a huge get here for the podcast. We've got the winners of LEGO Masters, Tyler and Amy. Say hello to everyone on the podcast, guys.
1: Hey, everybody. Hello, hello. We are so happy to be here with you.
0: Well, it's really our pleasure. When I found out that you guys had even listened to one episode of the podcast, it was super, super exciting for me. So I'm sure a lot of the fans would be interested to hear that,
2: too. Oh, we've absolutely loved listening to your perspective on it. And I think your perspective is most of the time spot on. So it's been really a joy to listen to.
1: We love hearing some of your insights that have not really been shown on the show, but you've been able to get at some details that were just more implied or the dynamic of our team. A lot of things we were really impressed with.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm a big reality TV fan, so I feel like analyzing the edit is a big part of when you watch Survivor or any of the other shows that I watch. So I feel like maybe I'm more attuned to it than the average person watching the show. There we go. Well, we're so excited to have you and I really appreciate it. You know, certainly we could cover a thousand different things, but I'd like to start off just before you guys were on the show. Tyler, you had mentioned even in the last episode that you'd been building since you were around two years old, but what was that formative experience for you that said, this isn't just a toy I have, this is going to be a big deal?
2: So as a kid, You know, I built with Lego like crazy. It wasn't until I think early teens that I realized and found kind of the whole online community. You know, there's just all these people that are posting pictures of these ginormous spaceships that they're building. And I was just dumbstruck by how much cool stuff people were making. And I'm like, I have to do that. I have to make that. So I just started kind of mimicking people's styles and trying to build things similar to what they did. And it's just kind of exploded from there.
0: That's perfect. I feel like that was a lot of our lives growing up. So I feel like a true kinship here. When it comes to the show, we got a little bit of a glimpse of it in episode one about the backstory about you guys, that you, obviously, this has been a big part of your life for a long time, but Amy, you were just getting into it. I think you even mentioned kind of doing some drills and things like that. So I'd love to hear from you, Amy, how did Tyler convince you to even apply for this show? And then what was it like a little bit about the preparation that you guys went into just to make you guys being the contenders you ended up being?
1: Well, this whole experience was such an off the wall surprise for me. One of my piano, I'm a piano teacher. One of my students mentioned after she heard I was going on the show, you're the last person I ever would have expected (laughs) to do something like this. (laughs) So definitely a newbie to the Lego community. My husband brought me into it when we got married a year and a half ago. So beforehand, I just had... Had kind of a basic childhood experience with Lego. We had the big bins and we'd build little creations and it was great, but it never turned into anything for me. But then I married this guy and everything changed. Yeah. (laughs) Really, my first experiences with him was sorting. He's got this amazing Lego laboratory where everything is systematically organized and everything has to be unmade once it is made. So I really (laughs) enjoyed getting to know all of the Lego pieces before I started building, and that was a real advantage. Advantage because I had a complete, almost complete collection of Lego, I feel like, at my fingertips. And I was able to familiarize myself with all of the different pieces. But then I really didn't start building until the casting process. And it was revealed that we were chosen surprise of surprises for this crazy show. And Tyler did put me through a Lego boot camp of sorts. And boy, those finger push-ups were quite challenging. <laughs> times I wanted to quit, but I stuck with it. And here we are today.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Psychology actually tells you that the harder you work on something, the more kind of devoted you become to it. So do you feel like this experience has really changed you? Are you going to carry this forward even beyond this competition?
1: So I love creativity. I love art. Being in a career that is music, I'm definitely on the right side of the brain. Is that the right, right side, left side? I get the creative side of the brain. brain. So my love was already in the, the realm of the arts. So to apply it to Lego was not too big of a stretch. I love thinking creatively and creating something. And this is just a new art form.
2: She's also very competitive. So the chance to do something creative and beat other people. Uh, I think that that was also something that she was like, ooh, I like the sound of that.
0: Yeah, I think we definitely picked up on that in the show. One of the things I said in last week's podcast was that I feel like this was the journey of Amy getting more into Lego and more competitive as each episode went on.
1: For sure. It definitely surprised me how much I really fell in love with Lego. And a big part of that was working with my husband and just this shared experience for both of us, but I had an absolute blast.
0: Yeah, a lot of the episodes focused on your relationship and it was a unique one, you know, given that you and Amy and Flynn and Richard were the only teams made up of romantic couples. You talked a little bit in the last episode about just what pursuing these different creative pursuits together has meant to you as a couple. Anything that you're taking away just from the experience in terms of getting to spend
2: that sort of quality time together? Yeah, that was one of the considerations going on the show to begin with is that I didn't really want to as I was talking to the casting people, I was not and I wasn't excited about the idea of leaving my wife for potentially seven weeks. And that was the catalyst for them saying, well, what if she applied with you? So it was a wonderful, wonderful experience just to be able to spend that much time with my wife working on the same project. You know, oftentimes married couples can spend time together, but they're not necessarily always working on the same project or for a, towards a common goal. So that was just so wonderful to both be in the exact same boat.
1: And this really allowed me to enter Tyler's world. Of Lego in a way that never would have been possible. Otherwise, I don't think we would have ever sat down for 24 hours to build a creation together outside of this. But what a neat opportunity.
0: Well, you know, I think he'll have to pay you back when Piano Masters comes out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> we, might, we might be an easy out there.
0: Yeah. A lot of, I think, where you guys came together was in working on every single challenge. Talk to me a little bit about what the process was like. I think that's the piece we didn't get to see so much of on the show was you're given a challenge. You know, where do you start? You guys were labeled as the planners in the first episode. And that was kind of the central conflict was how long it was taking you guys to start. But tell us a little bit about what the process was like, even like the division of labor and kind of some of the ways that you approached it from a tactical standpoint.
2: Yeah, So in that first episode, we kind of set the pattern for how we approached every single challenge. And that was spending as much time was needed to plan out the entire build, we would be generating ideas, trying to bounce ideas off of each other to select the best idea for the a challenge and then taking what we're going to build, sketching it out, trying to visualize, get a a common vision for what it's going to look like. And then even taking that and breaking it down into, okay, I'm going to work on this section or you're going to work on this section. This is how long this section should take. This is how long this section should take. So we kind of came up with this system of phases. So each section of the build was a different phase and everything was broken down by how long we wanted to spend on it. And I think that level of planning was crucial in our success because it allowed us to avoid running into mistakes later on and then having to take things apart or backtrack. We had a common vision from the very beginning and we were able to, to actually build it.
1: And the initial idea is such a huge part of the, your success or your failure. If you have a mediocre idea, you're not going to go far. So making sure it's an idea that it fits right in line with the challenge is something that you are both excited about and can visualize this is going to be an attractive end piece. It's going to fit the challenge, all of those things you have to take into consideration.
0: Yeah. And I think you really uh, reminded me of another key aspect, which was really the storytelling. I don't think any of us going into this competition had any sense of the role that storytelling would play and the ultimate outcome of so many of the challenges. Was that something that you guys picked up on early or how did you guys approach just the idea of the presentation and the storytelling and making that a fixture, not just the builds?
1: We love storytelling. Before we got into any of the challenges, we had actually come up with a sizable list of different story types and ideas of storylines we wanted to incorporate into our builds if given the chance. Things that mean a lot to us personally as far as themes because, as you mentioned, storytelling is everything. And if it's a great build, but a story is like, eh, doesn't have a story, you're not going to get far.
2: I think they touched on that at the beginning that they, and I think it was the first episode, they said, we're looking for creativity, technical ability, and storytelling. Those were their three main criteria and that was throughout the entire challenge. I don't think they repeated that every challenge, but that was always what the judges were looking for in judging all of the creations on was those three criteria? So it was a huge part of your success is whether or not you can tell a story.
1: And coming into it, this is something that was really important to me and something I'd noticed just viewing the Lego world kind of from the outside. I'd see a lot of maybe amazing creations, but it didn't really grab me or capture me emotionally. What I love is when that build does grab you, capture you emotionally. It has that story or it has those characters that you care about.
0: Yeah. And characters were really kind of one of your guys's superpowers. You know, I think even back to episode two, the sacrifice build, there was a huge story, really dynamic characters there. Is that just to come naturally to you to create these sort of characters and and even just the both the conceptualizing of it and the physicalizing of it with the brick?
2: Yeah, I think that comes mainly from me. I I grew up watching Disney movies and cartoons like crazy. And I just, I love that style of just exaggerated features and capturing emotion or certain physicalities of different characters through Lego. And I just think it's really a challenge and it just makes me happy in the end to see these characters come to life. You can see it in your head, but then building it, it's just, it makes me laugh. So
0: Yeah. And there was a couple instances where your characters really stood out to me, but also there was a lot of drama around the characters you built because there was the Taker Waker, where both of you guys were going to build a rat. There was the Super Baby from the movie genres episode where you were building a baby and Mel and Jermaine were building a baby. So talk to me just a little bit about what it was like to go through some of those experiences, the inter-fighting with some of the other teams over creative domination. <laughs>
1: Well, first of all, we love Mel and Jermaine. We love Sam and Jessica. We have nothing but the best feelings and wishes towards them before and after both yeah. of these instances.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> TV always dramatizes anything. so
1: Concerning the baby gate, I think that's what <laughs> Mel and Jermaine were calling it. Yep. <laughs> that was definitely a bit of surprise and a little bit of a shock because their baby came in the twist of the challenge. We had spent eight hours on our baby, however long, and then to look over over and see a baby going up at the table right next to
2: us. (laughs) (laughs) The first reaction, like, they copied us. But from uh, things that they told us, you know, they had had this idea in their head for a long time prior to it. But uh, it was was a little disturbing at at first to see uh, something so similar (laughs) to what we had built right next door. Yeah,
1: so we appreciate they had this idea beforehand. We can see that. But since they did see that idea, a similar idea working out at the table next to them, possibly they could have gone in a different direction.
2: Yeah, and that kind of leads us into talking about the the Taker Waker and Sam and Jessica, our goal isn't we don't necessarily frown on copying, but it we're just trying to primarily avoid two very similar things in the room, because that's not necessarily good for anybody. If you have two things that are too similar, they're ultimately going to get judged against one another. You know, whether it's two babies, they're going to get compared to one another. And our approach in talking to Sam and Jessica about that was, well, let's let's come to an agreements and figure out how we're both going to create this character, but not do something too similar to where they're both getting compared to one another. So we just we wanted to avoid having a, a situation where the judges are telling one of us don't be too similar again, because we saw that with with Mel and Jermaine. So we, we wanted to help them out and help ourselves out at the same time.
0: Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. I think one of the other interesting superpowers that you guys had was like coming up with these base structures and building on them. I feel like one of the examples that we saw most specifically, Specifically with that was the tri scraper where you had that cool repeatable three prong design. And I, 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 I feel like I saw that in a lot of the challenges, you know, the the sacrifice build with all the tentacles, the 8080s, those structures were really important. And the way that you threw that large carrot build together in the storybook challenge, really having those underlying structures, I feel like was one of your superpowers. Any thoughts around how you thought around concepting a lot of, of these builds from an internal structure standpoint?
2: Yeah, for me, I tend to like to build things with a, an internal core that gives you the options to add things onto the outside, you know, a skeleton, if you will. So a lot of those builds had sort of a skeleton that then you can put pieces on the outside. So it, it kind of gets built in layers so that you're not having to build all of the elements at the same time. You're building the structure and then you're putting on the the paint or the decoration on the outside of it. Uh, another, I guess, aspect of this in terms of like the triscraper and sort of those repeatable large patterns and shapes That was something that we wanted to do because Amy's not as much of a technical builder, but she can take an idea... Or a premise and repeat that pattern or shapes and really go with a lot of the, the bulk of our builds. So you don't see this in the show, but Amy probably built 60 to 70% of every one of our creations in terms of the bulk of it, just because we had, we had thought about who's going to build what, the level of difficulty for what's being built, and who is going to tackle those different things.
0: Yeah. And I think that's great. And so in instances like the triscraper, would you build one of them and figure out how it goes together? And then you'd have some sort of internal powwow to figure out how you're going to build the rest of them. Is that kind of how the process would go?
2: Yeah. So there's a lot of times when I would either walk her through how to approach building something, or I might build like a prototype so that she could get an idea of what uh, she was going to be building. And then she would run with it. And she did fantastic. No,
0: I, I really think that that was one of the, the fun mysteries in My brother said in the last episode, he was my guest, and he said, I feel like we didn't get to see Amy, but obviously she had all this great building skills. Like it would have been great to just see more of what you brought from the actual hands-on bricks. One of the areas that I think you really did help out though was in the storyline, kind of keeping focused on the rules of the different challenges and the feedback, especially that the judges were giving you guys. You made a lot of really helpful pivots. Any thoughts about that, Amy, in terms of the ways that with all of your creativity and background that you were able to add your own influence on the overall direction?
1: Going into Lego Masters, i was very intimidated going into something brand new like this no experience against all of these other people who are masters to a certain level of the the brick already but throughout every round my confidence really grew as i saw that i did have valuable things to contribute to our team and thinking about it i really broke it have broken it down into three different categories where i was able to contribute strongly and that first category being our initial idea phase where we would brainstorm, come up with that idea, the idea being so key to the whole build. Tyler and I both were. Worked- best when we can bounce ideas off each other. And we really have a way of refining each other's ideas and making them better and better until we have that master idea we're going to choose for our build. The second way I feel like I was really able to contribute was just the artistry of the builds being Lego is an art. So as I mentioned earlier, even somebody without experience in Lego can come into it. And there are so many things from art that need to be incorporated. Design, layout proportions colors all of these things are key to creating your final product your final masterwork similar to a painting or a drawing and then the third phase like was just there's a lot of building that needs to get done (laughs) (laughs) and i was able to contribute with a bulk of that as well as adding my own touches whether it's in landscaping or more the aesthetic aspects of the bills so I was really thankful throughout the competition that I was able to do my part, I think.
2: I've been surprised by her throughout the whole competition, but one of the times where she really stood out and I was just like, whoa, she's <laughs> incredible, was the, uh, the droid challenge. We had our... Our phases set up and how long each section of that droid challenge was going to take. And I'm primarily working on the mechanical functions. You started out working on the the blue milk and the the tray and all that sort of thing. The mechanical functions took a lot longer than they needed to, <laughs> so we were running into some time problems in which we we needed to get the the Star Warsy bits, all those paneling and that sort of thing, onto the droid. And that was going to be my section of duties to to accomplish, but. I I needed to be working on the mechanical stuff, she takes over and she builds some of the most Star Wars-y looking greebled panels with these colors and everything on them. And I was just blown away. I'm like, I don't know that I actually could have done much better than this. <laughs> this is just phenomenal. So I I, I love seeing her, I guess, progress over the whole challenge and her being able to pick up something like Star Wars panel greebles and excel at it was just, I loved it. I was, I was very pleased.
0: Well, we loved it too. Honestly, I think that that, that droid was the A real standout, and obviously with the judges having won the challenge, but even just for me, those panels were something I wrote a lot about in my notes because I was like, they did not focus on the panels. And I'm not just saying that, I'm really not. You know, one of the things, just kind of talking about the Star Wars episode in particular, I think that there was a lot of interesting kind of nuance to the edit of that episode because the second part of the challenge, which is arguably the bigger part of the challenge, you guys had less time than you would have normally had, even less time than the droid, or maybe it was eight and nine hours, I'm forgetting. But talk a little bit about, first of all, what it was like to build in a Star Wars challenge. But then, And also, I think that added a huge challenge that no other part of the competition had just the short amount of time to create such a massive build that they were expecting as if you had 13 or 14 hours to build it. I'd love your perspective on that challenge in particular.
2: We loved the Star Wars challenge. It was just very nostalgic in a way. I I especially loved the droid portion. But yeah, it was surprising when we got that time when they told us the time that we had to, to build that challenge. But I think we picked a scene that was easy to do within that amount of time. We had a lot of snow, landscape, and uh, several vehicles that we could repeat. And we could make something that's big and impressive in a smaller amount of time just by the nature of the scene itself.
0: Yeah, and, and obviously those ATATs ats were so insane. But the one thing I said didn't get enough airtime were the two snow speeders that you built because you had all the right angles at the front. And I know you know exactly what I'm talking about because even the Lego set doesn't have all the right angles. So that was a big highlight for me. But you got a lot of criticism during that challenge around was it colorful enough or whatever it might be. I feel like for me, that probably said more about could I see enough of this immediate story that was happening maybe more so? Like, did the scene come to life? You know, so did you feel like some of that judging criticism was, were they spot on? Or I just love your reactions to some of the feedback you got during that episode.
2: That was probably one of the more disappointing challenges for us in terms of the feedback that we got from the judges. Usually, I feel like the judges were spot on with their feedback to uh, us or everyone else. That one, I was a little disappointed. I thought we had added a fair amount of color to a very bleak scene (laughs) and color wasn't necessarily a requirement for the, the prerequisites for the challenge. They wanted to see that scene accurately portrayed. They wanted to see the story. They wanted to see technical ability. They wanted to see creativity. I thought we showed all those and I thought we even gave them a, a little bit of color but <laughs> ultimately the uh, the the brick masters they just wanted to see some maybe some uh, rainbow ATATs there <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it felt like we had almost been docked for our choice that we had chosen a scene that was pretty bleak and colorless, but we did that intentionally. We wanted to have that challenge as we had just come off of the superhero challenge where we had tackled a very sandy, almost ancient Egyptian scene to take it to a very different world of bleak, white, these heavy, intimidating machines was part of our thought process as far as showing a variety of skills in a variety of different arenas and situations.
2: Yeah. And throughout the, the competition, we were kind of the, the colorful, colorful character builders. And we wanted to do something that was a little bit of a diversion from that and do something a little more intimidating, bleak, cold.
1: Mm-hmm. And at the beginning of the challenge, the judges had told us stay true to the story. Don't be adding things that don't belong. <laughs> so we were a little confused as far as some of the critiques concerning storytelling and the little stories. Of course, some scenes blend themselves. More to that. Mark and Boone's, of course, had a lot of natural little stories, but our scene, not so much. It's primarily about these large ATATs or at as we were forced to call them on the show. <laughs> <laughs> attacking the small rebel base and the key moments, whether it's Luke and his snowspeeder taking down the AT-AT or just the attack itself. We did capture those.
0: Yeah, I was a huge fan of the build, you know, the the generator. Everything was like so spot on. You had also the right number of generators versus the Lego set, which did not. I only say this because I know Tyler knows exactly what I'm talking about. But no, I, that was a really interesting moment in the show for me too. Obviously, culminating in the judges' feedback was that everyone would make it to the final challenge, but they did go ahead and say the first, second, and third places. And had this been an elimination challenge, you know, you guys certainly would have been at risk. How did you guys react to that? Almost like seeing your your Lego masters' lives flash before your eyes potentially. Obviously you'd already known you were safe at that point. So it was more of an interesting anecdote, but I am curious to get your reaction more specifically on that moment.
2: Since we were safe part of me wonders if it was more of a producer decision rather than a judge's decision to make that third place call. Again, I don't know. I wasn't talking to the producers. Maybe the judges genuinely did think we deserve to be in the bottom, be the bottom team that time. But it was a little disappointing. Uh, I thought that we had a a really, a really solid build for that challenge. Uh, And I think it was also very impressive in its size as well. I mean, we probably had something that was close to twice as big as the other teams had built.
1: And we're not left clueless to what the judges were looking for from the very beginning. Like we mentioned, they're looking for technical ability. Storytelling and creativity, and trying to look at the three builds in that round objectively. You can come to your own conclusions about how each team did, but we felt strongly about how we performed.
0: Yeah, I think we were definitely of similar mindsets. I, I will admit, I was like a little up in arms in the actual moment. And I was glad in some ways that we waited a day to record the podcast so I could calm down a little bit. But no, I mean, listen, obviously, I said you're comparing like three carrots of diamond. You know, all the builds are really great. So it's, I'm sure it's a tough decision for the judges. Kind of taking a Hard pivot, you know, just to the challenges in general. Which of the challenges, in your eyes, were some of your favorites, or which builds were your uh, your biggest achievements, if if you will say? For
2: me, my favorite was the space smash challenge, where we built the sacrifice. I love sort of the contrast between creation and decreation being part of that challenge and built into it, and having to tell your story through the destruction. That was probably the most unique challenge of all of them, in my opinion, and I loved how our final piece turned out. I think it was just very iconic and eye catching. And that's what I that's one of the things that I really love seeing in creations. So I'm pleased that we were able to pull that off. Yeah, for me,
1: I just loved the storybook challenge so much. At that point in the competition, I was feeling a bit worn out and overwhelmed and pregnant and nauseous and all these things. (laughs) And then to see all of these kids on set and be able to have this opportunity to work with this totally wacky story full of colorful characters was just a real energy boost and incredibly fun.
0: Yeah, and it was cool because it wasn't what did you want to make, you know, as every other challenge was. It was really what they wanted to make. It sounds like you jumped right on board for that, but was there any struggle of yours in how to interpret that, you know, from the kids?
2: I think we have, we both have very childlike minds and attitudes towards life in general and can kind of get inside the mind of a kid. So as they're telling us this, this wacky story, I think we can flip a switch and get into that mindset and be like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. Giant carrots, flying broccoli. Like, yeah, I'm all for this. On, <laughs> let's go. Where's the where's the rainbow ninjas and the uh, the, the marshmallow people? You
0: know, <laughs> no, I love that. And it definitely reminds me of marshmallow your car. Any upgrades to that with the prize money? <laughs>
2: Um, I, I am. I'm planning to uh, to buy some some wood and make those flames so that we can actually attach those to the back of marshmallow. So we've got these these flames coming out the back.
1: Maybe get out the flame torch
2: and do a little
1: detailing. A little bit. A little bit
2: of toasting. toasting oh, okay. of, the, of the marshmallow. Yeah.
0: I love that. The one funny thing, uh, just from the space challenge that I was reminded of was part of your strategy was hiding the build for as long as possible throughout the challenge, and it was one of the interesting moments of where you could sort of use the mechanics of how LEGO. Gets put together to your advantage as a psych out to the other teams. I'm not sure we ever really saw anyone do it in quite that way. You know, was that kind of just a funny part of the show? It sounds like it was totally your plans so i'd love to hear a little bit about that moment
1: that was very intentional coming out of challenge number one the dream park theme park as we had a couple of instances where people weren't copying us but just similar ideas had popped up one big thing was you know we had we were the first ones to make a kind of grand looking sign for our theme park and before we know it signs are popping up all over the room (laughs) so going into the second challenge i think it was my idea because i'm the more competitive one and i'm always trying to think how can we have a little bit of edge and (laughs) let's keep this (laughs) let's keep this quiet oh for better for worse so that one, we had an intentional mindset of trying to keep things, keep our cards close to the chest and surprise the other teams and hold off on the reveal until the end. Because that is kind of dramatic when you're always wondering, "Well, what is going on over there? What are they making? And then you have a big reveal. I find that very interesting and fun, whether it's my build or somebody else's build. So we really enjoyed doing that with that round.
0: Were there any other funny or interesting competitive moments that we maybe didn't get to see on the show? People... Mac talking or, you know, it sounds like getting to the brick pit and getting at the bricks that you really want was part of almost the challenge even built into that, you know, race car subsequent outcome. Mark and Boone got to get to the pieces first for the bridge challenge, all those sort of things. Were there any moments like that that you can think of where maybe people were hoarding bricks or you were strategically grabbing every yellow brick you could or something like that as a way to add to the competitive nature of who got to what first?
2: There was so many pieces that like if we had have been hoarding pieces of any sort, we'd have had this Giant pile that would be just getting in our way. So there's there was no real uh, room or time to be hoarding parts of any sort. I mean, there was there were certainly times when we'd be running low on pieces, and you're trying to make sure everybody has what they need. But in general, everybody is wanting everyone to succeed. So we're always trying to help each other out to an extent, but also be competitive at the same time.
1: The bridge challenge definitely was the most competitive as far as the pieces and the limited (laughs) amount of pieces. Mark and Boone really got first dibs And a big advantage, rightfully so, to all of the Technic bricks, and they definitely snatched all those up. And that's one reason we chose to go in a different direction with our brick built bridge. So in that case, piece access was very important and the order you were able to get to the bricks. But overall, there were few problems like that.
0: (laughs) Well, the bridge building challenge was definitely a highlight for you guys as a team. You know, getting to 1,000 pounds was something that the show clearly wasn't even ready for. You know, what was that challenge like? just in terms of seeing everyone's bridges, but even more so, I think the chaos that ensued when your bridge held up better than they ever expected to.
1: We definitely threw them off schedule, the producing schedule that day. Our bridge was probably supposed to take 10 minutes as far as the loading and breaking of the bridge. And it ended up taking two hours, I think, because (laughs) they had to get weights on and they ran out. had to take them off, had to get more, put them on, took them off a second time. And then there was the third time I think they had a sufficient amount of weight for us to get to about a thousand pounds.
2: Yeah, it was just mind boggling because in the Australia version, Australian version of the show, they did the same challenge with more time and they got to like 220 pounds as the maximum weight that one of the bridges held. So the fact that we had less time and we were able to have two bridges that got to something that would have easily held over a thousand pounds. It's just absolutely mind-boggling.
0: Yeah, that's honestly, it was such an exciting part of the show. When it comes to the previous versions of the show, had you been familiar with those ahead of time when you found out you'd be on the US version? Were you tracking down like the Australian and UK episodes as a way of prep?
2: Some of the contestants certainly were, and we had access to the the Australian version of the show, but we we actually did not watch any of it. I mean, I was aware of who won and some of the winning builds and some of the main builds, but we didn't necessarily want to be influenced too much by what was previously done. We wanted to go into it with a fresh perspective.
0: Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. I think psyching yourself out is part of the challenge of any of one of these episodes. But it was nice to see, like Amy was saying earlier, that all the teams were so friendly and cordial. You know, it it kind of reminds me a little bit more of like the Great British Bake Off or whatever it is, because everyone's very darling and sweet on that show. You know, what was it like just, you know, meeting everyone and becoming kind of a Lego family, any stories or anything that stand out from just getting to know everyone on the show?
1: Overall, it was just such a sweet atmosphere and so fun spending day after day with all of these lovely people who we have now become close friends with. And we had some really great times with people offset. One in particular was when it was Mark's birthday one evening and Boone was planning a little get together in one of the hotel rooms. So a lot of us were down there doing like mini build challenges and a couple of us pretending to be the judges. And it was just such a fun off the set bonding time for all of us. No, that sounds
0: like so much fun. And honestly, I think that's kind of the fun part about watching the show or getting to talk to you for me is that not everyone you're going to meet in your daily life has the love of Lego that you do. So when you're in a whole horde of people that feel the same way about it that you do, it just makes it even more fun.
1: Exactly. All the time, different contestants were getting together to go to the mall on the week and go to the Lego store and get all these different sets and build them and watch each other. And it was just really fun. So when
0: it came to some of the other challenges, I have a couple quick questions. So the Imagiscope was one of my favorites of yours that from the cut in half challenge. I feel like that was another build that we didn't get to linger on enough slow-mo close-ups on. You had all those different elements, a rocket ship, a pirate ship, a submarine, the giant tree with the tire swing, all these things. Anything stood out to you in terms of that challenge in particular or any? the elements you know that you remember from concepting that
2: build that was a build that was all Amy's idea and concept. We we grabbed that telescope and I didn't know exactly what to do with it at first. I didn't have any sort of immediate idea. So we were brainstorming and she comes up with this idea of what if it's like a kid and he's looking into all these different possible ways that he could be imaginative and it was just so fun to build all these different little scenes and bring them all together in this one cohesive build and it was fun to use the space. You know, we had vertical space. We had space that we could hang things underneath it. We had this the structure of the telescope that we could use to our advantage. So it was really fun to try and build off of this weird, wacky object.
1: Yeah, I love that build so much too. And I feel like it does kind of get lost being in one of the earlier episodes and, and not making it into the top two. But
0: Oh, such a fun build. Well, yes. Like I said, it was one of my favorites, and I definitely talked about it a lot on the podcast that episode. But, you know, one of the other things we talked about a lot on the podcast was the good and evil challenge, where the final four teams were paired up with each other. And obviously, the build between you guys and Aaron and Christian, I think there was a lot of funny moments. I think back to when Amy really just did not understand why the bake sale was a compelling good versus evil, you know, scenario. But, I'd love to hear a little bit about what it was like working with Aaron and Christian, and maybe some of the that kind of hilarity that we noticed on the show.
2: Yeah, so we loved working with Aaron and Christian on that build. I think their style and our style both go well together, and I, I think that probably went into the production's decision on how we got paired up. Yeah, the the bake sale. I, I'm not sure. I wasn't in on their planning session on when they came up with that idea, so I don't necessarily know why that was such a fixation. I think it could have been done in uh, a really fun and hilarious way. But just in the way the challenge went about, it, it kind of got lost.
0: Yeah. Well, and obviously you had such strong theming when it came to the Egyptian mummy queen and the adventurer. You know, it felt a lot like to us on the podcast, like a, an amazing Indiana Jones or classic Lego Adventures set. You know, was it a lot of fun working on that one?
2: Oh, it was so fun. That was one of the most fun builds just because For me, growing up, adventurers was one of my favorite themes. And one of the things I don't think that got shown in the episode was that I had some of those traps like you would find in the adventurer sets. There was a scorpion tail that you flip a lever and it would swing down under the gate and get whoever was coming in. There was a trap door that dropped people who were standing in front of the throne down into the lava. And those sort of fun little details are ones that I think got a little bit missed, but it made me happy.
0: Well, and I felt like maybe hearing about how you guys split the builds, Amy, maybe it had a lot of your influence with the color choices, the dark red, the dark tan. You know, there was a lot, of I feel like, of really great set dressing when it came to that. Um, you know, I'm curious to hear, uh, Amy, if uh, that was part of your artistry component.
1: I'm trying to remember. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there was that combined build section in the middle and I believe Aaron was still working on his portion or their portion of the their their layer. I was working on components of ours, so Amy and Christian were the ones that kind of came together and uh, built that center object and all the different elements. And I think Amy was key in the conceptualization of how that looked.
0: Yeah, and that one was a really fun looking one. You know, one of the things you mentioned was all the little traps and that definitely feels like something a Lego designer thinks about when they're designing some of the toy sets, you know, the ones that us normies can build. You know, obviously I know you've been part of the Lego ideas process a couple of times. Any desire for you to maybe pursue a Lego set designing career one day or as kind of being a, a freelancer an artist, a true artist, kind of more your direction in terms of your passion for the builds?
2: I would love to be a uh, set designer for Lego if I could still work from home and do it. I Mm -hmm. I really don't have a very strong desire to move to Billund, Denmark. (laughs) And I love the job that I have where I'm able to uh, design whatever I want and make these little small fun kits all from my home Lego laboratory.
1: Freedom and in your creative expression and your current situation, Mm -hmm. which is Fantastic. No, that's super cool. So
0: thinking a little bit more towards the future, I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about here. You guys are $100,000 richer. The title of Lego Masters, which is kind of the Miss America of the Lego world. What are your thoughts in terms of, you know, you mentioned getting a house with the money, so maybe plans for the money, but even just plans for the title. You know, certainly I think there's a lot you can do just as a spokesperson and and everything like that. You know, I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are moving forward as the Lego Masters.
2: It's certainly fun to have this title and the experience of being on the show we're introverts, though, so I wouldn't be surprised if you see us shrink back into a little more anonymity. But this has been just a, a super fun and exciting process. I'm certainly going to continue with uh, Lego as being both my hobby and my job as long as I can. And I, I've got some ideas percolating in my brain of some things that I would like to do that are uh, with Lego that are a little more outside the box. But I'm going to I'm going to hold on to those for the moment.
0: Perfect. Perfect. One thing we talked about uh, on one of the podcasts was... If- if we had the trophy, the big trophy in our house, where we would put it. So I'm curious to know, do you have the trophy yet physically? And if so, wh- where is this You know, going to sit in your, is it going to be in the Lego laboratory or on prime display, maybe on the grand piano? You know, wh- where is it going to be? <laughs>
1: We are still waiting for the arrival of this trophy. So we have thought about that question and we don't know yet because we're in a small renting situation. Not too many extra corners to stick it in, but we'll have to wait
2: and see. Maybe we'll put it on the coffee table and fill it with M&M's and when (laughs) people come over that'll be the the serving dish for M&M's or something.
1: Bright yellow isn't one of the colors in our color scheme, so we have to take that into consideration with how to make it fit into the home decor. <laughs> but I can't wait to have it and show it off to all of my piano students. They're all so excited to see this trophy. They've all been following us the entire journey. So it'll be great to share a little bit of that, that success with them. True. And it's kind
0: of like the, the the evidence. You're like, no, it really happened. You know, I swear. <laughs> All right. Well, once you get it and you have it primely placed, you'll have to post it on your Instagram or something like that. So we can all take a look. There we Absolutely. go. <laughs> well, I know that we're running down on time. So I definitely want to be respectful to that. But anything you want to plug, you know, anything you're working on that you want the listeners of the podcast to know about?
2: You, you mentioned Lego Ideas, and uh, I will be posting more pictures very shortly. I have version two on Lego Ideas that you can vote for.
0: Yeah. And version two of the Stitch Project, just so everyone on the podcast can know.
2: Yeah. So I have version two of the Stitch project uh, live on Lego ideas at the moment.
0: Yes. Well, I voted for that originally and secondarily. So I will, you know, third time's the charm. So I'm going to go for it. Awesome. Well, that's so exciting. And then anything else in terms of just your Lego business, you know, that people can be aware of?
2: Yeah. So the the company that I work for is buildbetterbricks.com. If you want to check it out, we have instructions of lots of different models that you can purchase the instructions from and easily order the parts or use the parts in your own collection to build them.
0: Well, that sounds great. Well, again, thank Thank you guys so much. This has been really a joy for me and hopefully it's been mildly exciting for you. But we just loved hearing from you and hopefully we can stay in touch in the future. Yeah,
2: this has been super fun. It's great talking with you. Yeah, perfect for
0: your time. We've really enjoyed this. That was just a ton of fun getting to talk to the winners and I can't wait to talk to the two Brickmasters, our judges next week. So be sure to send in your questions and be sure to leave me a rating or review on iTunes or whatever service you're listening to this podcast on now as it really helps others find the podcast. If you want to hear more from me and check out my weekly Lego News videos, you can follow me at youtube.com slash talk bricks. And if you want to keep up with me on social media, I'm at talk bricks on all social media. And if you want to follow along with a podcast, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at talk masters, or on Twitter using the username TB masters. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'll talk to you all next week.